The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Hello there, Thunder buddies and travellers down Thunder Road. It is us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, your sleigh driver down this Christmassy Thunder Road, Dave Ryan. And I'm joined on the line, as I am, by my faithful uh, Santa's helper, that is Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you? Did you just call me Santa's helper? I, I guess I did. Is yeah. that a short joke? No, it, it wasn't at the time. Retrospectively, it sounds like it was. Yeah, I, I mean, you might get cancelled for that one. I might get cancelled for that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this well, this is what happens. This is what happens when I think on my feet. Like, I mean, you've been hitting the eggnog pretty hard, so I have. Damn right, it's been the noggiest of seasons. <laughs> How have you been, pal? Busy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but like this time of the year and work for me is just mental. Yeah, it's uh, this is the time of year for me where it's like, oh shit, there's like a hundred things and a hundred visits we were supposed to do. I work in youth work, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, a hundred different things we were supposed to do before now. Let's all rush to try and get it done because we all want to finish by the Christmas party. Uh, or a little bit thereafter. Uh, as I'm recording this, my Christmas party is on this coming Friday. Well, one of them. Uh, and I was on the, the other one last weekend. And Jesus Christ, uh, I'm still suffering a little bit. So uh, You're getting old, be, be Mr. Ryan. You're me. getting old. Uh, this is it. Like I was out. Um, I was drinking two nights in a row for maybe the first time in, in quite a long time. And it really got the better of me. Sunday was a complete write-off <laughs> after it, uh, I went to a wedding and then I went to the Christmas party and because now I'm on the untapped gimmick for this podcast when I was out the second night fucking genius over here decided he was gonna like have a different beer every, every time, time. Oh, and, in e- and in every different pub we were in so like I got some great untapped content but in terms of like my stomach and my head the following day I really deeply regretted it um, if an app is telling you to do it it's not worth it I know isn't that the truth um, Lee, we're we're coming into uh, into Christmas. This is our last episode this side of Christmas, and um, how 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 are you feeling this festive season? Are you prepared? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we've nearly all the presents bought at this stage. Mm. Um, we also had a, a, our son's seventh birthday just this past Saturday. Hey, congratulations to the big dog! So we had to get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, no, we have we have a lot of uh, wrestling paraphernalia ready and bought, and uh, yeah, pretty much all set for him anyway. Yeah, um, mine has been like 
painfully slow the preparation again because of that busyness but mm-hmm. uh, I think I'm finally getting on, to- on top of things so that by the time uh, our next episode comes out right over the Christmas I shall be relaxed I shall be a bit more chill and more importantly I won't have work until the new year um, it's probably worth saying uh, up top we'll, we'll talk about some more Christmassy stuff on the next episode because it'll be the day after Christmas that episode drops um, but yeah we will have an episode Christmas week because we are dedicated to this service of mediocre at best wrestling that we deliver to you um, or more um, accurately we're recording two together tonight yeah we are we're, we're going back to back here so if we sound a little bit tired in the next episode that'll be why because your boys need christmas off as well yeah um and we're hoping to drop like one maybe two uh special little shows over the christmas and new year's period but uh stay tuned to that because as we just said we, we kind of need a bit of time um lee I, I think we just need to get cracking now don't you I think we do, yeah. Yeah, right. Tell me, before we get into our episode of Thunder, what beverage do you have accompanying you this evening? Well, like I say, I've been busy. I haven't had time to kind of go out and go looking for a new beer to match with the podcast this week. So I'm back on the bourbon. I'm back on the Southern Comfort and Coke because I fucking deserve it. Oh, jeez, I'll tell you what, if we are recording two episodes back-to-back, you could be in for some lamped Lee chatter in the second. <laughs> the Hopefully Dave will edit it out this time, though. Yeah, I know, yeah, that was completely my bad on the last episode, although it seemed to have popped a lot of the Thunder Buddies. Uh, t- tell you, ga- Galaxy Brain take you can't spill that if you're not opening it. Uh, I know, yeah, I spent uh, I spent quite some time convincing people who asked me that I, I didn't intentionally leave you spilling your drink in on the podcast, because it does seem very suspicious. Oh yeah, the, uh, the first thing to ever not be cut from the show. Yeah, yeah. Is me going, As ah, I, at least this isn't on air. Yeah, normally I'm quite meticulous about editing shit out, and I had time-stamped another edit point early on in the program that I had gotten to, and then, yeah, it just, it all went to shit. <laughs> fucking professionalism down the drain so you've got your bourbon i've got a beer that i've been talking about for quite a while because in my office the the heating is on tonight and my office is quite small and with the computer screens around me i am going to be sweating i might pop the top off quicker than you can say goldberg's kid uh on this show (laughs) by the time we're done so i need an ice cold beer and i have picked a beer that i was talking about quite some time ago on the show uh Coming to us from the Hatherwood Craft Beer Company, I am picking the Plunged Orange Pale Ale that I was trying to sell you on a few weeks ago, Lee. You were, and it sounds quite nice as well, from what I remember. It describes itself as a punchy and refreshing uh, ale with a tangy orange sharpness. And I'm just noting now that it's uh, 6% APV, so let's have a go of this one. (laughs) That's quite strong. For a for a podcasty beer, but let's go. I, I had a I unlocked a badge on the Untapped app thanks to my exploits in this podcast of managing to have like X amount of beers that are under five percent. This is not one of those. Mm. Oh, that that is really nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that recommendation from a couple of weeks ago, Lee, still stands. You need to get yourself some of this. I will look it up. It's deceptive because it doesn't taste like a six percent. But uh, we'll see. Know, that's we'll dangerous. See. Yeah, we'll see how that one settles over the course of the show. I have a completely different beer for the next mm-hmm. one. Thank God. Um, I would be lamped right along with you if not. Um, let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. This is the nineteenth episode of WCW Thunder, dated June fourth, nineteen ninety eight, coming to you from Peoria, Illinois. Um, 
Our show opens with a look back uh, at Nitro from that week as Sting comes down from the ceiling to confront Hogan and Giant, um, but all of a sudden kind of takes off his his uh, creepy stalker duster and he's wearing an <laughs> NWO Hollywood tee, um, ho- starts hugging Hogan and then all of a sudden he just decks Hogan, decks Giant, tears off the shirt to reveal he's Wolfpack. So already, Lee, in about 60 seconds, we've had a double swerve before the show even starts. And I mean, people thought the swerves only started with Vince Russo. Yeah. Um, you know what? I love the little clip that they show because Giant and Hogan, you'd swear they won the World Cup the way yeah. they celebrate that Sting is wearing an NWO shirt. Yeah, particularly like Giant's big happy face, like yeah. right in front of the camera is really, really good. Um, and what I do appreciate, something that we don't always get on Thunder, is that immediately we get to see 100% of the important footage of what mm-hmm. they're about to discuss a couple of minutes from now rather than kind of reverse engineering it where they keep talking about a thing that happened and then trying to make you stay tuned for the whole two hours to watch a replay. Um, so I did appreciate that. Um, for the first time, uh, I've noted on Thunder anyway, since the, the three factions that now exist in WCW, if you include WCW itself in that, Tony teasing that tonight on Thunder you'll get the stars of WCW and NWO Black and White, uh, Red and Black and NWO Black and White. Um, the lads, I'll tell you what, our commentary team are turned out, they are styling and profiling with their choices of uh, of attire tonight, don't you think, my friend? Oh, very, very dapper, by their own standards. Did, yeah, did there was definitely special. an after party. There was definitely an after party on tonight. Brain is in the corner dressed as like a fucking ivory dealer or something like that. Uh, Shivani in the middle is like your cool uncle. Um, and then and then Staggerly rounding out the troop dressed as uh, your da who got a promotion but also got cocaine. Um, the question on the lips of everybody tonight again is why? Why is Sting in the Wolf Pack and who talked him into it? Goldberg is set to defend the US title and we're getting entry five in the best of seven series between Benoit and Booker T tonight. Um, a really cool thing they did up here uh, at the top of the show, Lee, was that they did a little recap of the four matches so far. This was very unlike WCW. <laughs> um, they <laughs> yeah. basically went through the whole series. Now, I know it's only going back to the span of a week, but this is not something we're used to. Mm. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was quite enjoyable, like seeing the, basically the finish of the past four matches. So it started on the previous Nitro, the, uh, thundered from the previous week, yeah. Saturday night, then through to Nitro, and obviously now through to match five on tonight's Thunder. Yeah, so five over the course of about 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like it, like you said, it's unusual. Like normally we might get like a sliver of context or just like what was the most recent chapter in something that happened on Nitro that week. But in this case, we are getting the full and complete context of the whole Best of Seven series so far. Mm-hmm. And it, like, like a lot of things that are sold in this feud that are kind of different from the way WCW is doing things this really feels like a sporting contest you know Mm -hmm. we're keeping score the commentators throughout all these matches talk about like the athleticism of the guys and strategy and injuries and things like that Um, and we're just going right from this video package into round five of the best of seven series I'll tell you what Booker T was up for this one wasn't he oh he was hyped for this he was ready like this and like it's a small thing but like you were saying there about the commentators and the sports like feel yes you, you hear how invested these guys are in this series 
and yeah. you can't help but get that little bit more invested yourself and it's the same like we'll get to it, like when Goldberg comes out later on in the show and it's that like that excitement in their voice leads to you kind of sitting forward a bit more paying a bit more attention whereas mm-hmm. when you have like a Jim Neidhart and a British Bulldog on the screen you can tell by like the way Shivani and Tina are talking they don't give a fuck about them yeah so why should you yeah um and yeah, Booker comes out, and one of the things that I really think is cool about how hyped up and how he starts this match very much the aggressor is that one of the like the 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 lines running through this feud that they keep trying to tell is that Benoit has been starting these matches the aggressor. He likes mm-hmm. to start off with like a barrage and assault and kind of wear down his opponent and then just start like stretching him. Um, so it was a nice subversion here paying off on something Brian said where like by the time you get deep in this series they're going to start trying new things so here's Booker being the very Benoit-esque aggressor Mm -hmm. trying to throw Benoit off his game plan Um, and again Booker firing up and beating down on Benoit early on here is getting massive reactions from the crowd like um, like yeah, and that kind of. I was going to say the the crowd fully bought in. Like Booker hits a couple yeah. of his big moves early. I think he hits the Harlem side kick and the axe kick very very early, and the crowd buy it. The crowd think this is it. Yeah, the crowd are going crazy. Booker's trying to put him away early. Um, it's just it's another one of those moments where you you look at a crowd reacting like this and you think about how crowds react in twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. And this felt like, you know, the hot crowds you see in 2019, with all due respect to a program I kind of more or less enjoy in AEW Dynamite, sometimes you feel that the reactions are because they know they're supposed to react like that, some crowds. Whereas here, like, it felt like genuine emotion that, holy shit, Booker's going to put him away early. This is going to be amazing. You know what I mean? I think a good comparison is the night after WrestleMania. That crowd are very self-aware. Yes. Of how they should react. Whereas this these crowds, and we've seen it on a couple of Thunder... Now, don't get, don't get us wrong. We're not saying Thunder is great or, you know, it's perfect. No, there's, there's we're t- not crazy. There's, t- you know, there's times where the crowds are awful. But, yeah. like, times like this, this match, you see the level of investment this crowd have in these two guys. And it might not be... They might not like both guys. They might be invested in just one of them. Hmm. But the way they react, they are fully on board with these guys progressing and winning this series and moving on and moving on to bigger things. Whereas you say, like, you see uh, the Dark Order come out. Yeah. And people will boo them and be like, boo. And it's like, Mm. yeah, I'm booing these guys because, you know, the books are telling me I should. Yeah, the script says boo. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah Booker is kind of uh, he's a house of fire here at the start but then all of a sudden out of nowhere Benoit grabs a waist lock and hits a massive German and the crowd mm-hmm. go crazy uh, for this the commentators as we kind of alluded to a phenomenal job putting over the men in this match Tony makes a great point about this he says the most fortunate man involved is Finley because even though he will be defending his belt at the end of this series these guys have been put each other through hell so the kind of implication that what's going to be left of these guys Finley is just going to pick up the pieces mm-hmm. um, which is a thing that kind of they, they harp on in next week's match as well um, so uh, Benoit goes for a headbutt as we start heading towards the end of this match and Stevie Ray comes out he's here to cheer on Booker um, Booker gets the ropes on a cross face attempt uh, huge spinning crescent kick 
um, Spinebuster and a Flapjack, but then Benoit fires back with a massive clothesline. Uh, Benoit throws Booker out and goes to stare down Stevie, but very cleverly, Booker managed to grab the top rope on his way over, hold himself up. He got onto the top rope. Benoit turns around and walks into a missile drop kick, and now it's 3 2. Yeah, um, you kind of just hit the high spots there, but like, and it, wa- it wasn't like that kind of rapid, rapid go, 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 but. Yeah. This match didn't hang about. Like this wasn't a long match, and um, like the the little things, like when Benoit's going up for the for the headbutt, he does the the trout cut, as I'd call it, um, and the crowd. Like that's when you really hear the crowd come alive. Mm. And I didn't really like um, Shivani calls it the swan dive headbutt, which is the first recognition I remember of that. Um, on the show, but like I didn't realize that this has been established as one of Benoit's moves already at this point. Um, yeah, I know we've seen him try it a couple of times, uh, and he's hit it, but it's never. I I can't recall if it was ever a finish on Thunder. Yeah, but like uh, to this point, like the the pop for that, and then yeah. like like you say the the spinning um sidekick that uh, Booker does. The timing on it is absolutely perfect, yeah. and it's just These like guys the chemistry have, um, is just phenomenal. Yeah. That's something we we were talking about. You and I and a group of friends of ours were mm-hmm. talking about like wrestlers over the years that have great chari- uh, chemistry with each other, and like obviously we mentioned our, our Jericho and Ray, our mm-hmm. Ray and Eddie, and stuff like that. But Booker and Benoit have unbelievable chemistry together, mm-hmm. and they even did a didn't they do like a best of five in WWE like in two thousand and four, two thousand and five or something? Yes, I believe so. Um, I remember something similar to that. Um, but yeah, it's 3-2 now, so this match will move on again. There will be another one on Nitro. Uh, yeah, next, no, no, no Saturday night match this week. No, no. <laughs> uh, Giant is here now with both tag belts. Uh, and it's brilliant because I noticed over this show that like it's, it's literally every time the Wolfpack music plays that um, fucking... Um, or is mentioned, should I say, Tony and the lads put it over. So even though it's the normal NWO Hollywood music, um, Tony mentions something about the Wolfpack mm-hmm. music and the lads like, oh yeah, it's great. Like, I, I wonder did they pay big money for someone to make the music for them? This is it. Like, either they paid a bomb for this and they're trying to get it over or, like, they genuinely love it and can't stop talking about it, which I, I could believe as well. Well, I mean, it's still beloved to this day. Like, everyone talks about the Wolfpack music. It's great. Hundred uh, percent. Um, I was so, just going to say the, the WCW tag belts. I think they're very, very nice belts. Yeah, I kind of. Um, I, I'd be like, I wouldn't call myself like a big belt mark or, mm. or anything like that. But like, I love a, a nice, well-designed championship belt. A Same, lot of yeah. the kind of modern WWE ones don't really do a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the, the the kind of new Intercontinental title in WWE has its fans, but. I was saying to to you guys during the week that like I liked when the retro one came back, but I want that kind of late nineties to mid two thousands belt back the kind of again. The oval kind of purpley color one. Yeah, yeah, I really like that belt. That was kind of the belt of like the the Benoit Jericho feud and 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 feuds like that that I really mm. enjoyed as as a youngin. Um, so I would like to see that one back. But yeah, the WCW tag belts are pretty classy, pretty kind of like old school. They look like championship belts rather yeah, than they, toys. They, exactly. They, they look like a belt you want to win. Exactly. Um, Giant is not happy that Sting picked the Wolfpack. 
said they're definitely not his colours but he can live with that he says he can't live with Sting sticking his nose in their business and body slamming him on national TV he says he's big enough to carry both belts but says he's going to elect a partner he calls out Brian Adams to massive booze it's like this it was like people were going oh my god is he going to pick like Hogan or something like that and then when he says Brian Adams it's like oh boo what, what, why did he pick Brian Adams like why I don't know I, I, it's a curious decision from Giant here uh, of all people um, Adams comes out and tries to explain it for himself he says no one else me- measured up to him and that together him and show are too big too powerful and of course too sweet um, uh, Brian- Bri- I was just going to say Brian Adams shouts and he shouts so much that I didn't even take note of what he was saying he was just shouting it's the classic new generation era shouty promo he, he, um, he was angry crush that's all he was um, not a big fan of the promo. Uh, Giant does say, though, they will put the belts on the line tonight against Lex and a partner of his choosing. Uh, then we get a Saturday night tease. This Saturday night, we're getting Public Enemy, The Giant, a Lucha Six-Man, Finley, and many more. Um, we go from that, which I would sooner watch than this next match, which was <laughs> Reese versus Van Hammer, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I suppose you got to take the rough with the smooth, and if you're getting Benoit and Booker, you're going to get some bullshit like this, Lee. Yeah, this, this fucking I saw these two guys coming out, and I was like, why? Like, of all the things to put on your fucking nationally broadcast television show, yeah, Van Hammer, who looks like a fucking fifty-year-old that's lived in Florida since he was six, he's that yeah. leather-looking, and then you have Reese, who just cannot move. No, um. It's like, it's one of those things where I knew this match was going to be dull and hideous. It wasn't going to be the fun kind of bad. And I think the challenge for us during this next while of Thunder is going to be trying to keep our attention during those kind of matches. Mm -hmm. Because I absolutely love uh, horrible wrestling as much as I love good wrestling. And it's the stuff in between where I'm just like, I start getting sleepy. I start reaching for my phone. I've started doing a thing. I'll talk a bit on the next episode, but I've had to start doing a thing where I put the phone at the opposite end of the room when I watch Thunder because like some of these dull matches, I just go on autopilot. See, I've started taking notes on my phone and that's a really bad idea because now I'll just close the document and just look, scroll on Twitter while I'm watching the show. (laughs) And I shouldn't, and I should be taking notes, but it's just so fucking bad. (laughs) And it's like, like you say, it's not even bad. It's boring. Yeah, that's it's the worst. It's the most unforgivable sin in wrestling, being boring. Um, Reese is here with the flock. Raven, uh, they explain Raven has fired and rehired the flock. He rehired um, them to keep Saturn happy, apparently. Yeah, Brain is trying to explain and make sense of it as well by saying, like, they're brainwashed, so of course they're not going to argue with Raven if he fires them and they're going to follow him again if he rehires them. They just live to follow Raven's instructions. Um Reese looks like a bag of shite. Yeah, um, he he's that's not the best way to put it. Like I, I say, he he moves and bumps like a second week trainee. Yeah, like, the, the gear is shite, and not even shite in the way the flocks gear is supposed to be. Um, he looks shite. He's like he like he's seven, seven foot like, four. Like surely yeah. they could have done something with him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Physically, like, all he has is his size. Like, because he's not in particularly great shape. Just make him a bodyguard. Yeah. He's just a large man. He is the epitome of the large man appears trope of Days of Thunder, it must be said. Like, how how Um, much better would it have been if he was just put in a suit or put in leather or something and put with, say, 
I don't know, fucking Jericho like. Yeah, as his heater. Yeah. Um, or or like even some of the stuff like and just even his matches do like very basic monster stuff rather than actually try to wrestle. Like he, he does a cool spot here at the start where like he goes to whip Hammer, but he holds on mm. to the Irish whip and like Hammer eats shit on the mat, and like that was a cool little spot. I, I'd say it's not a fun bump to take. No. Because like you could fucking lose your shoulder. Yeah. But you know, it looked okay. It looked okay. He hits a huge backdrop. Again, I don't imagine that was fun to take. Um Reese then starts like showboating and he's like yelling, Come on and, and stuff like that, and it just like seemed like a real break with that kind of character. Like they're all supposed to be weird and morose and, and stuff like that and dead behind the eyes. So him starting to like fire up and feel himself really didn't work for me. No, it's it just out of place. Yeah. Uh, Lodi has a sign that says Morda steals cable. Huge pop for me. Um, pe- people mightn't like be, you know, nowadays, if you didn't grow up in the 90s like us, like you may not be aware of the phenomenon in the United States that was people trying to steal each other's cable with mm-hmm. all sorts of different like rigged wiring and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure it was the basis um, of like five episodes of The Simpsons. Yeah, there's at least one that I can think of, the one where Homer's trying to steal cable for the, the Dredrick Tatum fight and at least Lisa has a moral dilemma, yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, uh Hammer tries to fell the giant uh by hitting him and oh my god, Reese is selling uh, mm-hmm. When he's hitting these clotheslines or lariats on uh, on Reese, it's it's oh, it's embarrassing. Um, he hits the Kali slam for the win. Um, well, that that was after all- Horace had um, hit Van Hammer in the back of the head with the stop sign. Yeah, because for some reason um, the ref is deaf. Who knows? Yeah, uh, like the mo- the loudest weapon, short of like a full baking sheet situation, you could have. Horace looked like a real fucking geek here between that and uh, and a bit after the match uh, where Hoovy comes out because of reasons. Um, it is not really clearly explained to us here that the two of them have an ongoing feud. Uh, Hoovy cleans house, but uh, Van Hammer pulls him out as Horace really stupidly and feebly hits the rope with the stop sign. Mm-hmm. I was hoping he'd do the full like the full rebound the chair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That would have redeemed Horace for a week in my eyes, but sadly he didn't. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you next, think of the uh, Hoovy Hammer connection? I, I don't care for it, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> like Hoovy came out, and I was like, "What? What? What's this? Like, why?" Yeah. You, yeah. Like it, it's seemingly because it's it, it seemingly that it's not to do with Hammer as much as Hoovy and Reese have a thing, which is uh, what thing. It, they're just feuding, I guess. Um, Since when? It, like, it's really not made clear. My guess is Nitro, or we fell asleep at the same time on a thunder at some stage. Um, but yeah, that's that's that much parked for this week, at least. Uh, our next match pits, uh, pits Eddie Guerrero versus the debuting on Days of Thunder, Alex Wright. I got so excited at this. Alex Wright. Coming out, so happy. dancing away. <laughs> Um, I already loved Alex Wright's entrance, but what I loved even more was Eddie power walking out. Yeah, I wasn't sure what to make of that until he started talking. I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah, it was like, you know, like you see the Olympic power walking. Mm -hmm. Like it was that full on, like pumping the fists and and the hips are swiveling as he's doing it. 
Um, he says he people are asking him how Chavo is doing, and the truth is he doesn't know how Chavo is doing. He puts the blame on Chavo's actions last week on caffeine, stress, and potentially constipation. <laughs> Typical side uh, effects of any you know mental break, apparently. Absolutely. Um, he says that Chavo has a shrinks appointment and gave him the night off tonight. And almost right after he says this, Chavo is here. No, uh, well, you missed a part. He said he made an appointment with Penzer's dad. Yeah. He was to shrink, apparently. I missed now, that. Now, I would love to have seen these skits with David Penzer's dad. Yeah. Because he would have to have done the full-on announcer's voice. Yeah. Ah, oh, that would be... <laughs> Just picture him sitting on the couch. <laughs> Chavo Guerrero. How are you feeling? Oh, um, no, I want that so much. Oh, Chavo gets here and he gets to the ring only to be thrown out and a DQ is called. Uh, Chavo is freaking out, going from screaming to begging. And what's brilliant is like Eddie is completely unnerved by this. He doesn't know what to do. Eddie is Eddie terrified. Is and he's just kind of backing off and walking out up the ramp. Uh, and Alex Wright, confused, but still glad he won, celebrates. Dances. Yeah. Because of course he does. Um, let, allow me to make an OTT analogy. Please do. You remember the Angel Cruisers? Like the, Indeed I do. The freshest act in OTT for a long time. So fresh and so clean. Um, remember Angel would lose his mind and go get a weapon and yeah. attempt to murder multiple people on every show? Yeah. Well, do you remember the, the the brief time where Be Cool was going to kill Justy? Yes. And he would strangle him at every opportunity. Yeah. And Angel would get quite scared at this and like yeah, yeah. start screaming, pulling weapons on people. Yeah, and he was terrified to Be Cool for a little while. Yeah, that yeah. that's what I compare this to. Where Ch- where Eddie is just like does not give a fuck heel hates everyone doesn't care will do whatever happens to whatever he needs to do to win and now all of a sudden Chavo has snapped and Eddie is fucking petrified and won't face him yeah oh, it's, it's great stuff it's um yeah I love Eddie and like again best facials in the biz mm-hmm. um where are we next sorry here now yeah okay so Tony is here to interview Lex Luger who seems to have been imbibing um, he is everything just, just everything just hoovering <laughs> it up he he's just he's just high on life here I, um, I think he's just happy to be in the NWO after years of yeah. fighting it yeah well of course like of course he's he's pleased Lee because he got a promotion as he's here to tell us so Monday was absolutely huge for them and he got a promotion to head of recruitment for the Wolfpack um, he's officially accepting Giants Challenge and as his partner he selects Diamond Dallas Page uh, which got a huge reaction from the crowd when he made the diamond colour symbol did you know that was coming Uh, I had vague memories that I didn't know it was now but I know there is a thing with like them trying to lure DDP in fairly early on I had no recollection of this I have no recollection of DDP being involved at all with the Wolfpack early on yeah now again I wasn't watching at the time but I again from reading mm. I, I remember something vaguely I don't know how this ends um, but I do, I do remember a, a brief period with the attempts to recruit him because it was a kind of a thing where they went through and started trying to recruit all the, the big dudes mm. who hadn't already been in the NWO um, 
<laughs> the camera cuts after he selects CDP to a dad doing very aggressive finger guns and his child kind of half-heartedly doing them beside him. Uh, Lex says tonight they're going to win the belt and he has a present of a red and black shirt for DDP at the end of the night. Um, our no, no, Nice little tease, I thought, for the main event. Yeah, it, it genuinely was one of those, all right, the hooks are in now, I'm, I'm absolutely going to go. Um, can, can I ask you one thing? And yeah. it's kind of a wider question. NWO Wolfpack. Now, obviously, I know it's Nash and Savage splitting off from the NWO, and that's why they kept the NWO name. Yeah. Surely this would have been more effective if they weren't the NWO and they were just the Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Yeah, it probably would, but I think, I, I suppose, if I were to put on my head of what the hell is Eric Bischoff thinking at this stage, uh, I would say they don't want to like make a group that's cooler than the NWO because the NWO logo and mm. putting it on everything has been a license to print money. So this is their way to kind of revive the NWO without cutting it and, and moving to something else. I, I think it does water, like it automatically waters down the NWO black and white. Yes. I, like I know you and I, especially with the benefit of hindsight, mm-hmm. think it does, but I, I think at the moment, that's what he probably thinks. Yeah, I suppose I get that. But I mean, like, as far as I remember, the, the biggest selling NWO shirt at the time was the red and black one with the wolf yeah. on the back. Mm. Like that, all that had to be was that that was the logo, the wolf. It's the wolf fact. That, yeah. Like, that's it. They didn't need to be NWO. I don't, I, that, just the thought I had, like. Yeah, no, no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Um, our next encounter pits Psychosis versus Foley, or Foley, Foley Finley, Jesus. for fuck's sake. Slip. Slip of the tongue there. This 6% is hitting quicker than I thought it would. Um, a lot of rest holds and wearing down early from Fit Finley. Uh, not much to say about this match. Psychosis briefly does fire up and hit uh, a top rope Herc and Rana. Fit, Fit Finley kind of... He doesn't no-sell the top rope Herc and Rana, but he recovers, like, entirely too quick, I think, from it and hits the tombstone and wins. It's, it's kind of a squash. I'm going to be honest. I put this match on. I went out to go to the toilet. I didn't even bother pausing it. Yeah, and by any chance was it over by the time you got back? It pretty much was. Um, yeah, I, I just knew this match wasn't going to be good. Like the the, the literally the first move in the match is uh, Psychosis attempts to like baseball slide through Finley's legs. Instead, if yeah. he just slides into Finley's knee, yeah, I mean, it's not great. I literally got up and walked out of the room at that stage. <laughs> yeah. Um. We've got then a clip back from Nitro when Lex was trying to talk the Stinger into the Wolfpack uh, and Hollywood makes his pitch as well um, to get him in and then a replay of the closing angle yet again. And I guess, look, rather too many times than not enough times Mm -hmm. to stress your your big angle. Um, Then we're back to Thunder and we have the match that I'm sure you've been waiting for, Lee. Uh, It's the rematch, Glacier versus Saturn. Um... Saturn springs up behind Glacier. I loved this. <laughs> like, I loved this. This was great. I was roaring laughing because normally like he springs up behind and as soon as you and the crowd notice that he's there, that's when the dude will attack. But like he still- Saturn waited there for a while. Oh, it was like a good 30 to 45 seconds. Yeah. Like he literally stands behind him and Glacier is like circling and turning to face the uh, entranceway as Saturn's siren starts. And Saturn just yeah. like grabs him and fucking Germans him on the top of his head. Yeah. Oh, like it was great. Like he stood there through Glacier's music, 
through a few seconds of silence and then Saturn's music started and he's still just standing there and then as you said like just a huge German for a two count uh, Glacier rolls out of the ring Saturn dives on him and then throws him back in immediately a huge drop kick to the back mm-hmm. of the apron by Saturn then um, great little bit of uh, continuity here from Brain where he's talking about how Glacier in his matches normally sets the pace and controls it early but this time it's Saturn being the aggressor into, yeah. using his typical aggression mm-hmm. and he's taking control I, um, I, I loved I think it was around this point Saturn does like a lovely black uh, back leg sweep sorry the bourbon's obviously getting to me. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. like a, an amazing back leg sweep that looks, it just looks great. Like, a, like it's obviously not like that effective when you think about yeah. it, but like it just looks cool. Lee, I want to rewind four seconds before that because yes, he hits the reverse leg sweep. I tweeted this out. I think in this match, this is a big shout, Perry Saturn hits the greatest drop toe hold of all time. Yes, right before it, yeah. I have never seen a, a like a, a drop toe hold this quick. Mm-hmm. My, like it was blink and you'll miss it. It was glorious. I, I might try to get friend of the show Keith Brony to gift this one. Um, it was unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, Lodi is out then um, and causing the distraction. Saturn hits both. Uh, and the ref bumps, uh, calls out another referee, but the referee is Canyon with another fake nose. It's Canyon dressed as Nick Patrick. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh my god! Just the, it's the it's the fake nose man. It kills me. <laughs> like, because like they're doing the great camera work of they never hold on his face long enough for you to be sure what he yeah. looks like but still they're having him wear the gimmicked nose all the time even though you couldn't pick him out of a crowd probably but we know his name is Canyon now yeah um, he lays out Saturn Glacier hits the cryonic kick and wins uh, and then as well Glacier shoves Lodi over <laughs> which is very funny Lodi deserved it yeah um, um, we do find out that it's Canyon versus Saturn uh, uh, great American bash Yes. Um, not a great match here, apart from the, the drop toe hold and the leg sweep. Um, but yeah, better some Saturn than none. Um, Hennig is out here next and he's on crutches. Uh, okay, oh, hang on, <laughs> before you get into the meat of the promo. Yes, I know what you're going to say. What? <laughs> is, this, is this a Bobby Heenan moment? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, because oh, no, no, I want to no. talk about that. The, the the Wolfpack music, which we were literally just talking how fucking great it is yeah. and memorable. We're putting over as much as the commentators are at this point. Why is there growling? Random growling in the middle of it. And howling. No, the, the howl um, has always been there. Well, the howl was always there at the start, but was there always held in the middle as well? I think it just kind of went a bit long, but there's growling. There's just random growling dogs or wolves, I'm assuming. Yeah. in parts of why, it why are, and I don't recall yeah, why, this ever happening why are you trying to touch up the Mona Lisa here is what I've mm-hmm. got to say I know it's it, by the sounds of when I went to try and look for it it's hard to find a clean version of that song mm. so part of me wonders if it has something to do with like copyright <laughs> that they had to change it a little or something if it was sampling something that they maybe they shouldn't have Um, I don't know Um, but uh, among the howls here were not just from the the theme song but from Bobby Heenan howling along oh yeah that's yes 
I think he does it on the next episode as well, which is when I yeah. really noticed it. But yeah, yeah no, he does it on this like, as well, yeah. Tony was like, um, saying that, that that howl you heard was Bobby Heenan. He's like, how do you know it was me? He's like, your lips moved. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hennig is here on crutches. Um, he wants to know how many people out there are real Goldberg fans, wants to know uh, who wants to see Goldberg kick his address. He can't say yes. Yeah. Um, he says St- standards and two- practices they have standards and practices damn straight uh, says he's two weeks from fitness so he's sadly not going to be able to wrestle at Great American Bash he's lucky to be surrounded by among others a man he describes as and I, I envisioned your reaction to this in my head when he said this <sighs> one of the greatest human beings alive Conan <laughs> <sighs> Look, uh, <laughs> look. At least we all know Henny is being disingenuous. Like th- yes. that's the storyline. So I can, I can kind of, I can get by on this one. Ah, uh, just, just fabulous. Like um, he, he, he's here. gassing up Conan as like this great thing, yeah. and you're listening to him, and you're going, he doesn't believe this at all. <laughs> Conan is here and he's offering to take Hennig's spot at the bash and he said that he's, he's such a good sport about it uh, that he's going to give Hennig the first shot when he wins and I, I, that they're also going to sweeten the pot by betting a bunch of cheddar on it. I, I love that Conan. I was like, oh, well, you'd do the same for me, wouldn't you? And Hennig's like, eh, yeah, sure, maybe. Yeah, yeah, just gonna, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I like that. Uh, yeah, so they're going to bet a bunch of cheddar on it as well. Um, and Kurt, at the very end of the segment, says that he insists on it being on dollars instead of pesos. A little bit racist, <laughs> but whatever. Does that mean, oh, do we have to cancel Mr. Perfect now? Ah, uh, sad to say. Um, next match, we have Silver King versus Dean Malenko. Uh, Tony, during the entrances oh, here, oh, says... Hang on, hang on. This is also a Cruiserweight title and yes. a Martial Arts Division title match. It is. It's uh, all the gold is on the line here. Uh, Tony says Jericho has taken his conspiracy to Washington and no one would listen. Uh, Malenko starts off hot, but about a minute or less in, uh, Jericho comes out in Prince Ikea's gear and starts ringing the bell himself. By the way, Prince Ikea dropped off the face of the earth. (laughs) Fell apart like Um, a Billy bookcase built by me. Indeed. (laughs) Uh, Tony says that he may have found a precedent in the Library of Congress, which is one of the places Jericho had visited, and thus begins one of the greatest Jericho moments of all time. Jericho says that he found a rule book from an NWA rule book from 1937, which incidentally is 11 years before the NWA existed. I'm pretty sure he said 1934. <laughs> oh, so... 19, so... 14 years before it existed he quotes chapter 11 section 5 codicil 8 also known as the Ed the Strangler Lewis loophole (laughs) a champion has to accept any challenger yeah he has the first right of refusal refusal on his challenger and since he didn't approve of Malenko being in the match he is therefore champion again and asks that JJ Dillon come out to fix this uh, I think he, he screams at Malenko calls him Dino Machino and demands he gives he him what's his 
He's he calls him Dino Machino, and then as if he wasn't already annoyed with Jericho enough, said uh, not to desecrate the dead memory of his dead father anymore. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he did say that second dead just to rub it in. Yeah, Jericho at this point loses the loses the plot altogether and starts screaming like, "Give it, give it, to, give me. it to me, give it to me!" Yeah. And Sobolenko does. He bops him right on the top of the head with the belt, and in incredible scenes, leaves Jericho selling into the microphone. Ah, oh, my head! And I'm saying, I tried to do it right. I tried to do it the corporate way. I'm going to the highest authority in the land to make the final decision. And then he just goes, oh, oh, my head, again, as the segment is ending. Yeah, Yeah. I think this is like, there's two weeks in a row here where like he goes to say even more and the mic cuts him off. Oh, how Um, did they not like just push this guy to the fucking moon? An absolute superstar. Um, Our next match. So um, hang on, we need to make a ruling on this. The match never really ended. So is yeah. Dino Machino still the martial arts division champion? Yes, I would definitely say so. Uh, I feel that the martial arts division, uh, much like any sacred instance of Mortal Kombat, can only be decided by pinfall, submission, or um, verbal verbal uh, <laughs> submission. Fair enough. Um, maybe knockout as well, we'll say. Um Obviously, you you missed um, my tweet from when I was watching the show about the uh, exchange between uh, Heenan, Tanay, and Shivani before the match started about Jericho going to Washington. And Tanay said, you know, he was uh, going looking for a precedent. So Bobby replies, well, he went to the right place to get a precedent. (laughs) And Tanay goes, no, no, a precedent. (laughs) So Shivani <laughs> chips in with, you know, sometimes you gotta speak slowly on this show, and Hina just chirps in. Well, I do try with him, <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was fucking. It was just magical the way he just flowed between the three of them. That man, like sharp. Oh, as a when he was on it, he was fucking brilliant. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Do you know what? Do you know what? I really wish Bobby Heenan had Twitter. Ah, oh, he would have been amazing. I'd say, like, if he was still, God rest him, like, if he had, if he was still around uh, and in and in good health, he like would still be that chair. Oh, one hundred percent. Like, like I remember when he had his uh, his Hall of Fame ceremony, and he was like, he was already starting to get sick at that mm-hmm. point, and he was still great. Oh yeah, like know? the um, the speech with for Gorilla. You know, or well, it was his yeah. induction, but where he, he mentions Gorilla, like, yeah, like that whole part, like it's just brilliant, it's unbelievable. That was back when, like, the the Hall of Fame ceremony was truly mm. great. Like when you used to get really good stories. And, and I, remember, I was it? just gonna say, and do you know what? Like, really gets me is the um, the gimmick battle royal, like just yeah. before he gets sick, and yeah. he's so fucking good. He is like he follows on that Hall of Fame. Is it Nikita Koloff and the Iron Sheik? I think so. Yes. And he goes like, "What the hell was he saying? And what the hell was he saying?" <laughs> just, just, ah, oh, Bobby, what a hero, yeah. a legendary figure. Um, next match is Disco versus Raven. Speaking of legendary Disco. figures, 
I tell you what, disco wearing day glow green. This is what wrestling is all about. The, the fucking the disco ball zoom in on his face was really like, oh, that was like a bad trip. Um, it's back and forth early on till Raven throws Disco out of the ring. He gives Disco the world's softest throw into the steps. Disco gently, he like he shined up these steps with the side of his his pants. Like that's how slowly he hit it. His hip grazes off the steps. Yeah. Talk about like protecting yourself. This is like, come on, throw yourself in a little, mate. Um, Raven brings a chair into play very quickly after this, but Disco does the drop toe hold onto the chair deal uh, before Raven fights back very quickly from that and does the same. I noticed that this has gone from uh, a devastating spot that left uh, Scotty Riggs blind, still blind in on, in Thunder continuity, and yet here it was like a transition spot. Oh yeah, like very quickly, this that spot lost its importance. Yeah, Disco got the drop, got hit with the drop toe hold on the chair, and then an even flow and a really casual pin kneeling on top of him for the three. Uh, Raven then gets the mic and says he's here alone. His the flock isn't there. His security isn't there, and he calls out Canyon while he's lying down in the ring, just inviting him on. Um, and, and Canyon does not take the bait. Well, why would he? Um, like, <laughs> no, no reason to. Um. Hugh Morris next up Hugh Morris with the Barbarian and Jimmy Hart versus Goldberg um, on the way out here uh, during Hugh Morris's entrance Tony mentions that just recently in, in real world kind of continuity uh, was the death of the Junkyard Dog uh, a legendary figure that was be- certainly before my time would he have been before your time oh, God, yeah. as yeah, well yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like I'm not that um, old Jesus Christ no no I was just wondering how, how young you started watching that you might have caught the tail end of him somewhere um, nah, like my my first wrestling memory is like, like bits of nineteen ninety, but like mostly ninety one. Yeah, um, um, I I just find it weird that they mentioned the death while humorous is making his entrance entrance. Yeah, it was kind of I I suppose they just fit it in wherever they could, but yeah, not not great timing <laughs> here. Um, they also know on the way, kind of shifting very quickly to more storyline stuff, that they have no idea still at this late stage in the show whether DDP intends to accept Lex Luger's offer for the main event tonight. They want to sort that out pretty quickly. In, in classic uh, wrestling storyline, he probably isn't at the arena yet. Yeah, yeah, almost certainly. There's only one man in this company that manages to, we'll talk about it later on, that manages to get around the logic of not showing up to the arena. Uh, and I appreciate that, but we'll talk about it later. Um to the surprise of absolutely everybody including myself and including the commentators this is just all of a sudden a handicap match uh, as both Hugh Mars and the Barbarian attack Goldberg when he's doing his stretch off the ropes at the start mm-hmm. um, the two of them rush him but Goldberg quite handily recovers beats both of them up Jimmy Hart inexplicably goes to the top rope during this to admonish Goldberg for beating up his charges Goldberg walks over, casually tosses him off the top rope on top of them and spears all three men, which was class. Fucking great. Great job. Uh, the crowd went absolutely berserk. And then he jackhammers Barb and then he jackhammers Morris and wins. Uh, Brain, look, I don't want to speak ill of a man who is no longer with us, but I think it's safe to say Brain nearly climaxed during the finish to yeah, this match. No, loses his goddamn mind. I think from basically from basically the double spear on, Heenan yeah. is just screaming and shouting. And do you know what? Yeah. It adds such gravitas to everything Goldberg does. The fact that Bobby Heenan 
is so invested in this guy. Bobby Heenan, who's still like by and large will try to back a heel mm-hmm. where there's like where there's you know room to to get into the line where, like where it, like it doesn't go against his own personal beliefs. Like he'll always back Ric Flair. Yeah. He'll yeah. always back Aaron Anderson. Like H- Hogan yeah. getting the bin. Like he'll never back Hogan. But yeah. like to hear him screaming and losing his shit for Goldberg, like it just adds so much more to the aura. Yeah, no, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, he he finishes as as the three is counted. He's screaming, "You aren't laughing now, funny man! Oh yeah, oh yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> absolutely having the time of his life here. Uh, then we come to our main event of the evening: Lee Giant and Brian Adams versus Lex and DDP. Uh, Lex comes out solo Tony and Brain note that they haven't seen DDP all day again no one pays attention to call times in WCW as you say yourself Mm -hmm. Um, DDP his music hits and I love by the way something I noticed on this show how absolutely everybody in WCW has the the same JPEG image of their name on a swirly background as part of it's actually actually Thunderclouds Dave I will have you know oh oh my apologies (laughs) So they're go- they're gonna have like a meteorologist one day just introduce people by standing next to a blue screen, while their name flashes up. <laughs> I can only hope. Um, so Paige arrives, as I said, he gets an encouraging pat on the chest from Lex as they they walk side by side, but he seems to ignore it. I like this, Lee. This is a nice little bit of subtle storytelling. You're kind of doubting throughout the match. Is he here for Lex? Is he here for the Wolfpack? Or is he just here on principle to fuck up NWO Hollywood? Mm. I like that a lot. And do you know what? Like, they're kind of telling a similar story with Savage and Piper. So there is this yeah. whole thing of the Wolfpack are open to working with WCW. Yeah. That they're kind of, yeah, they're, they're the tweeners mm-hmm. here. Um, it is an interesting line to take, and it's like it seems to be their recruitment strategy is hey, look, we've all got a common like, enemy. Like, here. it's kind of like, like we're, we're quick enough to shit on something when it's bad, but like, mm. I think this is like very much intentional, kind of like that. Like I said, the Wolfpack are open to working with anyone from WCW if they're willing to come on board. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Adams and Lex start the match because God hates me. <laughs> Um, (laughs) thankfully this horrible period doesn't last long as Lex tags DDP in Uh, one of my favourite things in wrestling Lee uh, when when big lads do the wrestling moves Um, so there's a bit of um, I believe it's is is it Adams and Lex that are doing like hip tosses yeah it is actually and and hip toss blocks and suplexes I love that shit Uh, Lex comes back in the story is that the chemistry of the Lex DDP pre-existing friendship is why Paige is here and it's why they're dominating because Mm -hmm. whereas Adams and Giant may be aligned in the NWO they're not going back as long or travel as many miles down the road together as Lex and DDP Mm -hmm. have again another little bit of continuity I really like here Lee yeah, hundred percent. Like it, it's the whole thing of like if it was anyone else in the Wolfpack except for maybe Luger and um, Sting, DDP wouldn't have been there. Like if Nash had to come out and said, "Oh, I want DDP," he wasn't coming out. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Adams hit his one arse cheek pile driver here again, and every time he does it, it scares the shit out oh, of me. That's so fucking bad. It looks, it looks bad. It looks dangerous. Uh, like I, I, there's no benefit to this move happening, like, and like there's no reason why he should be taking it. Like, like we're this. what we're two months away from 
No, it was actually it was the year previous. It was ninety seven, where Austin like had that horrible pull driver. Um, yeah, like why? Why had WCW yeah. allowing him and, to do this move? And like speaking of necks, it wasn't on a pile driver, but like Buff Bagwell just broke his neck the month before. You think he'd be watching out for neck breaky sort of moves? Um, so yeah, Adams is one arse cheek pile driver. Uh, the bad lads are then on top for a little while. Uh, DDP eventually gets the hot tag and starts lighting up the crowd, who had kind of I think gotten a bit tired at this point. Mm-hmm. Um. But then Giant grabs a clump of his hair and drags him down to the mat. Um, in perhaps my favourite spot in the history of Thunder Lee, out comes Wolfpack Sting running past and just slaps Giant on the arse. <laughs> Distraction. That's all that was. Yeah, just, 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 a, just, just a cheeky slap on the arse there. Keeps going. Uh, Giant is distracted and gives chase to Sting. Um, uh, I- DDP comes out of the corner and hits a running diamond cutter and we have new tag champs. I think you're kind of underselling. This is the first time you see red and black sting. Yeah, that's and true. And do you know what? I was going to say, yeah. because in the crowd all night, there's been people sitting there with red and black face paint. Yeah, I, like, I'm really curious about this. Was this something that just, like, the hive mind, or was, like, there an image publicized somewhere of him like the, the, in between Nitro and Thunder? The web wouldn't have been a big or... thing in, like, mid-98. Yeah. This well, I, I, like, look, I'm, a, I'm imagining the... they were... I'm sorry, Lee. I'm sorry. You're disrespecting the internet location at the pay-per-views. <laughs> well, okay, like ten percent of people were on on wcw.com. aol. fucking whatever. Um, yeah. But like, I'm imagining they were just doing face painting out in the concourse, and they were they must they have. had this kind of like right. This is what Sting looks like now. Yeah, and there was a couple of signs as well, which must have been plants in that case. Had to have been, like. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is really weird. I mean, there was a father and son at one stage, very early in the show, where I went. But yeah. But you just joined on Monday. Like, how did they know? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless, like, Sting lives with them. Who knows? Um, maybe um, they live in one of uh, real estate Steve's housing properties. Yeah. They um so we have new tag team champions mm-hmm. and Giant is completely perturbed and confused. Shades of which way did he go <laughs> from a couple of years later. Um then just as you think we're about to go off the air, JJ Dillon is patched in from Atlanta. Um and like you know the way we've had the thing, Lee, over the last few weeks that Jericho's been doing, uh, where he's been calling out JJ and JJ's just not been there. Yes. And people are talking, it's like, why is the head of the executive, WCW executive committee, just not there at one of their flagship shows? You know, the, the, those so, two weekly shows that they have that they couldn't possibly yeah. attend. He couldn't work two days a week. So, JJ does his able best here to explain, and I love this little bit logically, that he was at an executive meeting. Now, you could go, right, why do they do an executive meeting on the Day of Thunder? But he points out that all the... Because he said it was at CNN Center with all the Turner executives mm-hmm. and not just WCW. And he said, putting over how important Thunder was, that all the executives took a two-hour recess in the middle of the meeting because they all wanted to watch Thunder. Um, Makes perfect and sense. That they saw that they saw everything. And that's cool. That's putting over all mm-hmm. oh, these very important people. Ted Turner was there with his big book of popcorn in, in the back of your head, like... <laughs> Uh, watching the wrestling uh, he said he wants to congratulate the new champions but he said that Giant had no authority to change partner and defend the belts and book matches the board has taken the vote that because Giant and Sting cannot get along 
so therefore cannot appear in the ring together to defend the belts. The title are there the titles are therefore stripped and Giant is going to face Sting in a singles match for the tag team titles at Great American Bash. In- after which whoever wins can choose who their partner will be uh, to reign with. So let's make sense of this. So the Giants chose a new tag team partner on this show. Yes. The committee did not like that. Yes. So the match that they just had for the tag team titles does not count. So mm-hmm. their big solution is to now strip Giant and Sting of the tag belts and put them in a singles match for the tag team belts after which they will choose a tag team partner to be the champion. Yep. It's uh, it's not great, is it, Lee? We're like where's the logic like what like giant picked a partner they lost they lost the tag belts it's not yeah. difficult they're just doing this fucking same thing again yeah it's uh it's it's it like from i i was looking forward to the start of this phone call made a lot of sense and it really seems like one of these they knew where the starting point was they knew where the end point was and they just tripped over themselves trying to figure out how to get like, there like if they had us said at the start of the show this is what's going to happen it's going to be Sting Giant at the pay-per-view winner gets to choose their tag partner and then Giant comes yeah. out and says right I'm picking Brian Adams tonight we're taking yeah. on we're going to challenge Lex Luger and a partner of his choosing to get ready for the yeah. pay-per-view or to get ready for after the pay-per-view when I win the tag belts yeah. Now I will grant them that obviously this is around the time that um Scott Hall is having his legal troubles and uh his his alcohol troubles should I say. Um and I think this is one of his car crashes is around this time as well. Possibly. Um because I know throughout 1998 there's a lot with with Scott Hall and alcohol happening. Um so like that has kind of hamstrung them a mm-hmm. little that they needed to hotch out the titles away but yeah, as you say, they could have done this any number of ways, and they seem to have picked the most convoluted, nonsensical one. Very WCW. Yeah, and that is the head-scratcher we're left with as Thunder goes off the air this week. Uh, Lee, give me your winners and losers for Thunder episode 19. Uh, winner is Goldberg, because he once again looked like a fucking badass. Yeah. And loser is... I don't know, Brian Adams, who got drafted into a main event just to take the fucking pin. Yeah, I would... I, I So, in some ways, I would put the winner as Brian Adams because he got an hour and a half long tag team title reign. Um, but the loser, you would have to say, yeah, either him or Sikosis, who just squ- squashed for absolutely no reason. Yeah, Psycho did not have a good night. Yeah. Um, our finish counter for the nightly, we had nine matches on this we program. We did. We had five clean finishes. We had one DQ or count out. We had two matches with interference leading directly to a finish. We had zero with miscellaneous shenanigans. And we had one with a non-finish. Um, so that is our, our finish counter for the evening. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for staying tuned for another episode of Days of Thunder. We are proud members of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network, on which you can find many, many great shows. The Military Industrial Suplex, 
uh, strong style story boom goes the dynamite through the years uh you name it we've got it here on the pwo network if uh if you like the old school wrestling if you like something as new and hip as japanese wrestling and aew we've got it here for you it's a one-stop shop Mm -hmm. sign up subscribe to the pwo podcast network you will not be disappointed my friends anyway for ourselves at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter for myself Dave Ryan at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee at Malone underscore 713 we have been Days of Thunder have a very Merry Christmas everybody we will be back to you the day after Christmas with Thunder episode 20 it's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you